0: Chapter 1 of The Mystery of the Downs This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Tony Oliva The Mystery of the Downs by John Watson and Arthur J Reese Chapter 1 the storm had descended swiftly sweeping in suddenly from the sea driving across the downs to the hills at high speed blotting out the faint rays of a crescent moon and hiding the countryside beneath a pall of blackness which was forked at intervals by flashes of lightning the darkness was so impenetrable and the fury of the storm so fierce that harry marsland pulled his hat well over his eyes and bent over his horse's neck to shield his face from the driving rain trusting to the animal's sagacity and sure-footedness to take him safely down the cliff road in the darkness where a slip might plunge them into the breakers which he could hear roaring at the foot of the cliffs hardly had marsland done so when his horse swerved violently right across the road fortunately to the side opposite the edge of the cliffs slipped and almost fell but recovered itself and then stood still snorting and trembling with fear he patted and spoke to the horse wondering what had frightened it he had seen or heard nothing but the darkness of the night and the roar of the gale would have prevented him even if his face had not been almost buried in his horse's neck however the rain beating with sharp persistence on his face and through his clothes reminded him that he was some miles from shelter on a lonely country road with only a vague idea of his whereabouts so with a few more soothing words he urged his horse onward again the animal responded willingly enough but as soon as it moved marsland discovered to his dismay that it was lame in the off hind leg the rider was quick to realize that it must have sprained itself in swerving he slipped out of his saddle and endeavored to feel the extent of the horse's injury but the animal had not entirely recovered from its fright and snorted as his master touched it marsland desisted and gently pulled at the bridle the horse struggled onwards a few paces but it was badly lamed and could not be ridden it thrust a timid muzzle against its master's breast as though seeking refuge from its fears and the fury of the storm marsland patted its head caressingly and facing the unpleasant fact that he was on an unknown lonely road with a lame horse in the worst storm he had ever seen drew the bridle over his arm and started to walk forward he found it difficult to make progress in the teeth of the gale but he realized that it would be useless to retrace his steps with the wind at his back for only the bleak bare downs he had ridden over that afternoon lay behind and the only house he had seen was a shepherd's cottage on the hillside where he had stopped to inquire his way before the storm came on there was nothing to be done but face the gale and go forward following the cliff road which skirted the downs or to seek shelter for himself and his horse at the wayside house until the fury of the storm had abated prudence and consideration for his horse dictated the latter course but in the blackness of the night which hung before him like a cloud he was unable to discern a twinkle of light denoting human habitation the storm seemed to gather fresh force rushing in from the sea with such fury that marsland was compelled to stand still and seek shelter beside his horse as he stood thus waiting for it to abate a vivid flash of lightning ran across the western sky revealing lividly the storm-clouds flying through the heavens the mountainous yellow-crested sea and the desolate rain-beaten downs but it revealed also a farmhouse standing in the valley below a little way back from the road which wound down towards it from where marsland stood the lightning died away the scene it had illumined disappeared and a clap of thunder followed marsland heaved a sigh of relief he judged that the house was less than a half a mile down the hill a large gaunt three-storied stone building with steeply sloping roof standing back from the road with a barn beside it doubtless it was the home of a sheep farmer of the downs who would at any rate afford shelter to himself and his horse till the violence of the storm had passed the horse responded to an encouraging appeal as though it fully understood and marsland doggedly resumed his battle with the storm the road slanted away slightly from the cliff when horse and rider had covered another hundred yards and wound through a long cutting on the hill which afforded some protection from the gale enabling them to make quicker progress but still marsland could not see a yard in front of him even if his eyes had become accustomed to the darkness the heavy rain beating almost horizontally on his face would have prevented him seeing anything he had matches in his pocket but it was useless to attempt to strike them in such a wind and he reproached himself for having come away without his electric torch slowly and cautiously he made his way down the road feeling his footsteps as he went the tired horse following obediently the cutting seemed a long one but at length a sudden blast of wind roaring in from the sea told him that he had emerged into the open again he counted off another hundred paces then paused anxiously the house ought to be somewhere on the left down there he muttered staring blindly into the dark he wondered in an irritated fashion why there were no lights showing from the farmhouse which he felt must be very close to where he stood but he recollected that farmers kept early hours and he realized that the occupants of the house might well be excused for going to bed on such a night even earlier than usual as though in answer to an unspoken wish a flash of lightning played over the sky it was faint and fitful but it was sufficient to reveal the farm standing a little way ahead about a hundred yards back from the road he saw clearly the hedge which divided its meadows from the road, and noted that a gate leading into a wagon drive on the side of the meadow nearest him had been flung open by the force of the gale, and was swinging loosely on its hinges. "'They'll thank me for closing that gate if they've got any stock in the meadows,' said Marsland the swinging white gate was faintly visible in the darkness when marsland came close to it and he turned into the open drive he noticed as he walked along that the gale was not so severely felt inside as out on the road and he came to the conclusion that the farm was in a more sheltered part of the downs was probably shielded from the wind by the hill through which the cutting ran he reflected that it was a good idea to build in a sheltered spot when farming on low downs facing the english channel he was glad to be able to walk upright with the wind behind him and the rain on his back instead of beating on his face for one thing he found he was able to make some use of his eyes in spite of the darkness and soon he discerned the house looming bleakly ahead of him with the barn alongside as marsland passed the barn his horse surprised him by whinnying sharply and plucking the loose bridle from his arm he felt for his match-box and hastily struck a match the wind extinguished it but not before its brief splutter of light showed him the horse disappearing through an open doorway he followed it and struck another match it flared up steadily under cover and he saw that he was in a small storehouse attached to the barn gardening tools were neatly piled in one corner and in another were a stack of potatoes and some bags of grain his horse was plucking ravenously at one of the bags by the light of another match marsland espied an old lantern hanging on a nail above the tools he took it from the nail and found that it contained a short end of candle a sight which filled him with pleasure he found a tin dish on top of the cornstack opened one of the bags poured a measure of oats into it and set it before his horse the animal eagerly thrust his nose into the dish and commenced to eat marsland patted its wet flank and then examined the injured leg by the light of the lantern his examination failed to reveal any specific injury beyond a slight swelling, though the horse winced restively as he touched it. Marsland left the horse munching contentedly at its food, shut the door of the storehouse to prevent the animal wandering away, and set out for the house. The light of the lantern showed him a path branching off the drive he followed it till the outline of the house loomed before him out of the darkness the path led across the front of the house but marsland looked in vain for a ray of light in the upper stories which would indicate that one of the inmates was awake he walked on till the path turned abruptly into a large porch and he knew he had reached the front door instead of knocking he walked past the porch in order to see if there was any light visible on the far side of the house. It was with pleasure that he observed a light glimmering through the second window on the ground floor. Judging by the position of the window, it belonged to the room immediately behind the front room on the right side of the house marsland returned to the porch and vigorously plied the knocker on the door so that the sound should be heard above the storm he listened anxiously for approaching footsteps of heavily shod feet but the first sound he heard was that of the bolt being drawn back where have you been exclaimed a feminine voice i have been wondering what could have happened to you the girl, who had opened the door to him, had a candle in her hand. As she spoke, she shielded the light with her other hand and lifted it to his face. She uttered a startled exclamation. "'I beg your pardon,' said Marsland, in an ingratiating tone. "'I have lost my way and my horse has gone lame. I have taken the liberty of putting him in the outbuildings before coming to ask you for shelter from the storm.' "'To ask me?' she repeated oh of course please come in marsland closed the door and followed her into the dark and silent hall she led the way into the room where he had seen the light placed the candle on the table and retreated to a chair which was in the shadow it occurred to him that she was anxious to study him without being exposed to his scrutiny but he had noticed that she was wearing a hat and a dark cloak these things suggested to him that she had been on the point of going out when the storm came on the mistaken way in which she had greeted him on opening the door seemed to show that she had been waiting for some one who was to have accompanied her apparently she was alone in the house when he had knocked i am sorry to have intruded on you in this unceremonious way he said reviving his apology with the object of enabling her to dismiss any fears at her own unprotected state i am completely lost and when i saw this house i thought the best thing i could do was to seek shelter you are not intruding upon me she said coldly the house is not mine i do not live here i saw the storm coming on and like you i thought it was a good idea to seek shelter it was apparent to him that her greeting had been intended for someone who had accompanied her to the house and had gone to one of the farm buildings for some purpose he noted that her manner of speaking was that of a well-bred young lady rather than of a farmer's daughter the room in which they were sitting was evidently used as a parlour and was somberly furnished in an old-fashioned way there was a horsehair suite and in the middle of the room a large round table glancing about him into the dark corners of the room which the feeble light of the candle barely reached marsland noticed in one of them a large lamp standing on a small table that will give us a better light he said providing of course it has some oil in it he lifted the lamp to the center table and found it was nearly full of oil he lit it and it sent out a strong light which was however confined to a radius of a few feet by a heavy lampshade he glanced at the girl she had extinguished her candle and her face remained obstinately in shadow he sat down on one of the horsehair chairs but his companion remained standing a little distance away they waited in silence thus for some minutes marsland tried to think of something to say but there was a pensive aloofness about the girl's attitude which deterred him from attempting to open a conversation with a conventional remark about the violence of the storm he listened for a knock at the front door which would tell him that her companion had returned but to his surprise the minutes passed without any sign he thought of asking her to sit down but he reflected that such an invitation might savor her of impertinence he could dimly see the outline of her profile and judged her to be young and pretty once he thought she glanced in his direction but when he looked towards her she had her face still turned towards the door finally he made another effort to break down the barrier of silence between them i suppose we must wait here until the storm is cleared away he began it is a coincidence that both of us should have sought shelter in this empty house in the storm i assume the house is empty for the time being or we would have heard from the inmates my name is marsland i have been staying at staveley and i lost my way when out riding this afternoon the downs seem endless perhaps you belong to the neighbourhood and know them thoroughly but instead of replying she made a swift step towards the door listen she cried what was that he stood up also and listened intently but the only sounds that met his ears were the beating of the rain against the windows and the wind whistling mournfully round the old house i hear nothing he commenced but she interrupted him imperatively hush she cried listen her face was still turned away from him but she held out a hand in his direction as though to enjoin silence they stood in silence both listening intently somewhere a board creaked and marsland could hear the wind blowing but that was all i do not think it was anything he said reassuringly these old houses have a way of creaking and groaning in a gale you've become nervous through sitting here by yourself perhaps that is so she assented in a friendlier tone than she had hitherto used but i thought in fact i felt that somebody was moving about stealthily overhead it was the wind sighing about the house, he said, sitting down again. As he spoke, there was a loud crash in a room above, a noise as though china or glass had been broken. Marsland sprang to his feet. There is somebody in the house, he exclaimed. Who can it be? she whispered probably someone who has more right here than we have said marsland soothingly he'll come downstairs and then we'll have to explain our presence here the man who lives here is away she replied in a hushed tone of terror he lives here alone if there is anybody in the house it is someone who has no right here if you are sure of that said marsland slowly i will go and see what has happened in the room above the wind may have knocked something over will you stay here until i return no no she cried i am too frightened now i will go with you he felt her hand in- on his sleeve as she spoke in that case we may as well take this lamp he said it will give more light than this he put down his lantern and picked up the lamp from the table come along and see what havoc the wind has been playing with the furniture upstairs he led the way out of the room carefully carrying the lamp and the girl followed they turned up the hall to the staircase as the light of the lamp fell on the staircase they saw a piece of paper lying on one of the lower stairs marsland picked it up and was so mystified at what he saw on it that he placed the lamp on a stair above in order to study it more closely what can this extraordinary thing mean he said to his companion he put his left hand in the top pocket of his waistcoat and then exclaimed i have lost my glasses i cannot make this out without them she came close to him and looked at the paper the sheet was yellow with age and one side of it was covered with figures and writing there was a row of letters at the top of the sheet followed by a circle of numerals with more numerals in the center of the circle underneath the circle appeared several verses of scripture written in a small cramped but regular handwriting the ink which had been used in constructing the cryptogram was faded brown with age but the figures and the writing were clear and legible and the whole thing bore evidence of patient and careful construction this is very strange she said in a frightened whisper marsland thought she was referring to the diagrams on the paper it is a mysterious sort of document whoever owns it he said i think i'll put it on the table in there and we will study it again when we come down after exploring the other parts of the house he picked up the lamp and went back to the room they had left he deposited the sheet of paper on the table and placed the candlestick on it to keep it from being blown away by the wind now for the ghosts upstairs he said cheerfully as he returned he noted with a smile that his companion made a point of keeping behind him in all his movements when they had climbed the first flight of stairs they stood for a moment or two on the landing listening but could hear no sound let us try this room first said marsland pointing to a door opposite the landing the door was closed but not shut for it yielded to his touch and swung open revealing a large bedroom with an old-fashioned four-poster in the corner furthest from the door marsland glanced round the room curiously it was the typical best bedroom of an old english farmhouse built more than a hundred years before the present generation came to life with their modern ideas of fresh air and light and sanitation the ceiling was so low that marsland almost touched it with his head as he walked and the small narrow paned windows closely shuttered from without looked as though they had been hermetically sealed for centuries the room contained furniture as ancient as its surroundings quaint old chests of drawers bureau clothes presses and some old straight-backed oaken chairs on the walls were a few musty old books on shelves a stuffed pointer in a glass case a cabinet of stuffed birds some dingy hunting prints the combination of low ceilings sealed windows and stuffed animals created such a vault-like atmosphere that marsland marvelled at the hardy constitution of that dead and gone race of english yeomen who had suffered nightly interment in such chambers and yet survived to a ripe old age his eyes wandered to the four-poster and he smiled as he noticed that the heavy curtains were drawn close as though the last sleeper in the chamber had dreaded and guarded against the possibility of some stray shaft of fresh air eluding the precautions of the builder and finding its way into the room nothing here he said as he glanced round the floor of the room for broken pieces of glass or china ornaments that might have been knocked over by the wind or by a cat let us try the room opposite she was the first to reach the door of the opposite room to which they turned it occurred to marsland that her fears were wearing off as he reached the threshold he lifted up the lamp above his head so that its light should fall within the room was a bedroom also deep and narrow as though it had been squeezed into the house as an afterthought with a small deep-set window high up in the wall opposite the door the room was furnished in the old-fashioned style of the room opposite though more sparsely but marsland and the girl were astonished to see a man sitting motionless in a large armchair at the far end of the room his head had fallen forward on his breast as though in slumber concealing the lower part of his face by heavens this is extraordinary said marsland in a low hoarse voice with a trembling hand he placed the lamp on the large table which occupied the center of the room and stood looking at the man the girl crept close to marsland and clutched his arm it is frank Lumston," she whispered quickly do you think there is anything wrong with him why doesn't he speak to us because he is dead he answered swiftly dead she exclaimed in an hysterical tone what makes you think so he may be only in a fit oh what shall we do marsland pushed her aside and with a firm step walked to the chair on which the motionless figure sat he touched with his fingers the left hand which rested on the arm of the chair and turned quickly he is quite dead he said slowly he is beyond all help in this world Dead she repeated retreating to the far end of the table and clasping her trembling hands together what a dreadful lonely death he was deep in thought and did not respond to her words as we have discovered the body we must inform the police he said at length i did not know he was ill she said in a soft whisper he must have died suddenly marsland turned on her a searching questioning look her sympathy had conquered her vague fears of the presence of death and she hesitatingly approached the body something on the table near the lamp attracted her attention it was an open pocket-book and beside it were some papers which had evidently been removed from it what does this mean she cried someone has been here it is extraordinary said marsland he stood between her and the armchair so as to hide the dead body from her she stepped aside as if to seek in the appearance of the dead man an explanation of the rifled pocketbook don't he said quickly as he grasped her by the arm do not touch it his desire to save her from a shock awoke her feminine intuition you mean he has been murdered she whispered in a voice of dismay End of chapter one